This morning, we're in 1 Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Got a great one verse wonder. Ben Hur. Let me read it to you. It says, And Solomon had twelve governors over all of Israel, who provided food for the king and his household. Each one made provision for one month of the year. These are their names Ben Hur in the mountains of Ephraim. By 1 Kings chapter 4, Solomon had a unified reign over Israel. In chapter 5, he would begin his preparations to build the temple of the Lord. Here in verse 7 and 8, we're given a little bit of insight into this part of his administration. He had 12 regional governors that were appointed for a specific type of service. One month out of the year, their region would be responsible to supply provision and food for the king and his household. Ben-Hur, not the chariot racing one, but the one we're reading about here, he was the first one listed, and he's our subject today. He wasn't listed anywhere else in the Bible. So let's first talk about the job. There are really three aspects to this job that we can think about and, and, and apply to ourselves since we are servants of our King, Jesus Christ. First aspect, they had a regular ongoing service to Solomon. The king had selected them individually for this work. It was an important station which would have taken a continual effort, continual focus, continual planning. Their offering to the king would have to be planned and cultivated and readied and stored and prepared so that it could be delivered fit and on time to Jerusalem when their time came. Our personal devotion, our personal worship could be likened to this offering that Ben-Hur and the other governors had to deliver to the king and his household. As we read through the Bible and as we see God's comments on our personal love for him and our personal worship of him, we find that his desire is that we not just throw together an offering at the last minute, but that when we present ourselves to the Lord, it is personal and sacrificial and worshipful in a true sense. If we learn anything about biblical worship from reading God's word, it's that it's not about bringing the lamb itself, you know, it's not about just the blood of the lamb. That's not what the Lord wants primarily. He wanted them to bring their hearts. He wanted them to bring an offering that was meaningful and personal and loving. And when people came to the Lord and had just thrown together sort of an offering or bringing this maimed lame lamb, you know, that was kind of their, you know, left behind lamb. They just grabbed it and brought it to the temple. It didn't please the Lord. That's not what he wanted. And so first and foremost, Ben-Hur's job was to bring the king an offering that would bless him and that would please him. The things he brought to Solomon should be worthy of him as king. I mean, can you imagine Ben-Hur as a governor showing up with just like one wagon of wilted cabbage for the king? Be like, well, here you go. You know, this is, this is what I got for you. I didn't really spend very much time getting this stuff ready. You know, so here's, here's my offering to you. Here's my provision you know, here's me giving back to you for what you've done for me. Of course, of course that wouldn't happen. You, we would never think that. So to applied to our own life, our worship and our service to the Lord, our offerings to him should be worthy of God and worthy of the blessings that he has given to us. Paul described that sort of offering by saying that we present our bodies as living sacrifices. He said that's our reasonable service, that you give everything to the king, everything. Ben-Hur may have only had to provide for one month out of the year. That's when he was in Jerusalem. But that offering would have been developing in his life and in his region throughout all 11 months beforehand. It was a continual process, a continual readying 
continual cultivation. We may only come together to worship God, say, once a week on Sunday mornings, but that offering that we bring to the Lord should be cultivating day by day as we prepare our hearts to serve God and to hear from Him. So that Sunday morning is the culmination of our love for the Lord and, and our the things that we've been hearing from Him throughout the week and our preparation of our hearts and the preparations of our mind. And then we come together to Him and present this offering that we've been developing in our lives uh, throughout the week. Second aspect we should notice about this job. Ben-Hur was to provide for the king's household. It wasn't just that he would come and parade this great provision before Solomon as some sort of excessive display of the nation's wealth, but it was to help and nourish the king's family. You know, sometimes, you know, you read about Solomon's kingdom and at one point in the Old Testament you see all the other kings from the other areas and different people that came and would bring tribute and they'd parade this great riches before him and, you know, that's all fine, but this was something different. It wasn't just a parade before the king, it was also a help and a nourishment to his family. And so as Christians... We are called into the service of the Lord, each and every one of us. We're commanded to serve the family of God. We're commanded to bear one another's burdens in the word. We're commanded to edify one another. We are commanded to forgive and to teach and to help the people of God. Those are commands that we receive in the Old and New Testament. They are his family, and we have been appointed and gifted and then commanded to serve God's family regularly and personally in love. And so... As Ben-Hur was to provide for the household, to nourish the household of the king, we also are to go and to build up uh, the, the household of God as we edify the body and as we support one another and as we do all those things that the Lord has asked us to do for his people. Third aspect of this job, he was to represent the king. Ben-Hur had this specific task that took him once a year to Jerusalem. One month out of the year he would go to the king's household there and I'm sure administrate you know, the nourishment of the king and his household. But for the rest of the year, he was a governor out in Solomon's kingdom. He was a representative to the people of their king. And I think we need more of this mindset as Christians. I think we need to remember that we are here out in this field, as it were, and we are representing Jesus Christ. And so when people look at us, they are seeing Jesus. Therefore, it is important that we portray our king very accurately. We need to speak like he speaks. We need to treat people like he treats people. We need to behave like he behaves. And we need to own up to the fact that as Christians, we are Christians, we love the Lord, we belong to the Lord, we're new creations, that's done. And so as Christians, people are making judgments about our God based on how we interact with them. You know, we may th- say, well, I'm not trying to represent Jesus right now in this interaction with this person, but it's, it's too bad. You, you know, we represent Jesus Christ whenever we're out there, and we represent Jesus Christ to one another. And so the way that we behave, the way that we speak, the way that we interact with people is going to tell them things about who God is, or at least it's going to color their vision of God. And so when... People saw this guy, Ben-Hur, they saw him as a representative of their king. He was their governor in that region. I think sometimes, you know, I know I get a little too individualistic. I think sometimes we get too compartmentalized where we can forget that, you know, my mouth, my habits, my mindset, my choices, my way of life colors the name of Jesus Christ to the people around me. What I say and what I do makes an impact on my testimony and therefore makes an impact on what people think about the Lord. 
the way that we live successfully as servants, if we want to live you know, as a successful Ben-Hur, if he's our example this morning, it's found in our man, I think. It's a subtle thing, but I think we can find it here. Because he's listed as Ben-Hur. And that simply means, you guys know, the son of Hur. And what that means is that we don't know his real name at all. We're not given his first name. He was known for who his father was. And perhaps we could say he was his father's son. So when people saw him coming, they're like, oh, that's been her, you know. And that's how he is, he is reported to us. And so devotionally speaking, if we want to be successful in these areas of service, worshiping the Lord, serving in the family of God, representing God in our region that we've been placed, then we have to reflect our Father. That's what we have to do. Reflect the Father. That's what's important. Now, there's one more thing I'd like us to think about regarding this particular guy. Um, we're told not his real name, but we are told his region. It was the mountains of Ephraim. If you want an interesting study uh, this week, get, get onto your e-sword later and look up the phrase mountains of Ephraim. There's really a lot of really great stuff to mine in those mountains. It, it's a really interesting list to, to check out. For our purposes, here's how we can look at them. Mountains of Ephraim were the inheritance that Ben-Hur was given by the Lord. It was the area that God called him to, to which God had called him in order to do his work. And that was the area that you know, the king had stationed him in order to do this task. Now, you and I have been given a life to inherit in the Lord. Like the Israelites, we are free to go in and claim that inheritance. Or, like the Israelites, we can sit back and refuse that inheritance. That's the great tragedy of the book of Joshua that everybody you know, is presented this inheritance and the Lord offers it to them and they all just sit around and don't take it. You know, They just say, well, my inheritance is out there and I see it, but I'm not going to do anything about that. And that choice is presented to us still today. Because in God's word, the Lord sets before us and he, he sets this life before us and he says, okay, here's what I want for you. Here's the place and the provision and the opportunity that I have set aside for you individually. It's a life full of resources, it's a life you know, full of work, it's a life full of all of this different stuff that I've prepared for you and, and, and readied for you and called you for. It's an inheritance so that you can be the most effective, the most mature, the most spiritually blessed person that you can be in my strength. And the Lord prepares all of that for us. That's the promise of God in His Word. That's the spiritual inheritance that He offers us aside from eternal life in heaven. He says, okay, here it is. Here it is. And so then the Lord presents us the choice of, now you can claim that inheritance and claim that life that I've prepared for you, or you can not have that. You know, that, that's up to us. Now, our, this morning, our example is Ben-Hur, and his inheritance was the region of the mountains of Ephraim. So apply that to ourselves, and we can learn things about our spiritual inheritance, our spiritual living in our faith with the Lord. The mountains of Ephraim were at several times a rallying point for the people of Israel to unify and fight against their enemies. Judges 3, Judges 7, you can see that. That was the place where the God's people rallied. And so our lives should inspire others to serve the Lord. Not only that, but our lives should be a place of victory over sin as we remember God's power and His presence within us. The mountains of Ephraim were a home to a city of refuge. Our lives should be places of refuge where people can come for spiritual protection, where they can receive help and wisdom and a word from the Lord. We should be men of compassion and truth who open our lives to assist those who are in need of shelter, like the mountains of Ephraim were. 
The mountains of Ephraim were the place of Deborah's judgment seat. Therefore, our lives should be absolutely governed by the word of God. When we have a decision, when we have a problem, when we have a desire, it should be judged by the scriptures, by the word of the Lord, not our own worldly wisdom. And those are some of the good things to meditate upon. There's other ones as well in that list. But it wasn't all good in the mountains of Ephraim because they were also home to great wickedness from time to time in the Old Testament. During Second Chronicles, the mountains of Ephraim were filled with idols and Asa had to remove them. Thus, we should be careful to remember that just because we love the Lord and just because we serve him does not mean that we are immune from sin. It doesn't mean that we are immune from going after other things in place of God. So we must diligently search out any idols like Asa did, search them out in our hearts and remove them before they take root in our lives. During the time of the judges, the mountains of Ephraim were home to the wicked man Micah. He set up for himself a shrine and an ephod. He set up his own priest he rewrote his spirituality in order to fit his own convenience and his own desires. And so applied to our lives, we have to be very careful about this because it is the natural desire of our sinful heart to confine God and to redefine God to make him in our own image. We do not define spirituality. We do not define righteousness. We do not define Christianity. God does. God define those, defines those things. We have to be careful that we're not putting up our own priesthood, that we're not making our own ephod, that we're not writing our own morality or our own system in place of that which God has already delivered to us. You know, we have freedom and we have liberty, but the Lord has said, this is what righteousness is. This is what holiness is. These are the boundaries by which I, I can protect you and provide for you. And when we come, like Micah did, and say, well, I'm going to rewrite what I think applies to me and what I think doesn't apply to me, then we're in trouble. Because God is the authority on those things. We are not. So here's where we find ourselves this morning. We're like Ben-Hur. Men who have been given a spiritual inheritance. We've been placed by God in a specific region so that we can represent Him to others, so that we can bring worship to the Lord, and so that we can serve the household of God and serve out in the kingdom of God. That's the life that we've been given, and it's precious, and it's wonderful, and it's incredible, but it requires everything. It requires our personal discipline. It requires personal devotion, personal sacrifice, personal availability. That's the requirement, that we go in full bore and, 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 and dive into this life for the Lord. If we're willing to receive this inheritance that God has made for us, then the result is a life that is full and strong and mature and eternal and all the things that we want and are delivered to us in God's word. The choice is ours if we're going to take what God is offering to us or if we're going to refuse it. The choice is ours if we're going to conquer this life and this inheritance that the Lord has given to us or if we're going to sit back and not do that. And so go out today, represent your father to the people around you, serve your king, nourish his family, and then receive the full promise that God has made to you in his word.